Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle, it's a base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. Middle of middle. The middle of the middle. The middle of a war! Friggin' ridiculous! Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No! Not the middle seat! Well, a ho-ho-ho, everyone, and a spin of the dreidel. You are here on the Middle Seats Holiday Special. We are the best seat in the house every single day of the year for all things movies and entertainment. But today, we are holiday-fied. Is that a word, guys? You can chime in whether that's a word or not. (laughs) It certainly is not, but what are you going to do? It's the holidays. I'm feeling festive, and I'm looking ahead to next year. Yes, on this special episode of the Middle Seats Podcast, we are going to be talking about our most anticipated films of the year 2018. 2017 has come and gone, and me, myself, Jake Hensler, and Nate Lungarini have seen a lot of great films. Nate Lungarini, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine and dandy, Drew. That'll be the last fine and dandy of the old year, but we're going to be moving on, and who knows, maybe we'll come up with a new catchphrase just to annoy Jake. No, don't do that. <laughs> and, and how are we doing over there, Mr. Grinch? How are you feeling? I'm doing okay. I'm glad you're really inclusive of all religions, dreidels, Christmas trees, whatever people are feeling. It was nice of you. Yeah, I miss Kwanzaa, but what are you going to do? I'm I'm not a perfect person. No, you're not. It's a cop-out, but no, you're not. Hopefully, we can take 2018 to be better people and better movie critics. Um, We saw a lot of movies in 2017. Um, Speaking for myself, at least, I can say that I saw a lot of movies. Yeah. (laughs) You. But you two both probably saw more than the average person as well. So we saw our share of good ones and bad ones, and we will get to that in a future show. However, this episode specifically is all about looking forward. Here's what we're going to do. We each have one film singled out that we are most looking forward to. We will put a caveat in here, though. Uh, None of us are going to be talking about Avengers Infinity War, um, because that is a very obvious choice. We've gushed about that in past podcasts. It's just more interesting to kind of give you a fuller range of what's coming out next year. So we're each going to single out one film. We're going to talk about that a little bit, and then it's kind of be a kind of free-for-all where we discuss some of the other films that we're really excited for that are coming out in the next calendar year. So without further ado, we're not going to delay any more. I don't know who we want to start with. How about Jake? Do you want to start it off? If you want me to. We do, we do. That's called the segue. <laughs> sure. Um, so one I would like to really talk about, it comes out in February. It's called Annihilation. It's Alex Garland's follow-up, this, the writer-director of Ex Machina, which I loved. Um, he's adapting uh, Annihilation, which is based off a book, uh, into a movie coming out February, starting Natalie Portman uh, and a, you know Oscar Isaac and a slew of other characters, cast characters. And I just think from the trailers that I've seen, it looks super cool. And we know he can do sci-fi. It's got a great cast. And I really hope that audiences keep going to see uh, sci-fi movies that aren't all sequels and prequels and rehashes and remakes. And I think this is a good way to do it. Uh, Ex Machina was a huge surprise a couple of years ago. Um, Alex Garland's been working in the shadows for years, but that really felt like his big coming out party as a name to look for. Um, a lot of the movies that we're going to be anticipating for next year are the next installments from big directors to watch. And he is certainly one of the forefront um, people. 
Nate, I know we talked about the Annihilation trailer um, a couple of weeks ago when it first came out. Another trailer has dropped since then. Do you share Jake's sentiment? Yeah, I'm I'm just as excited for it, if not more excited. Uh, I really, really love the out there sci-fi movies. And Annihilation, along with Ex Machina, are some of the best examples that have come out in recent time. So hopefully Annihilation holds up to that standard. I, I I am very interested to see how Natalie Portman portrays a serious sci-fi role. Um, <laughs> we got a taste of that in the Star Wars prequels, but not really intentionally. So, <laughs> um, and I just think at least the the visuals got this down pat for me as a butt in the seat. It looks like there's at least ninety percent less sand in this one, so it'll be very interesting to see how her performance changes. <laughs> This move, moving on from Annihilation, Nate, I know your most anticipated or one of your most anticipated is a very different kind of science fiction film. Absolutely. Uh, I am very, very excited for Pacific Rim Uprising. Now, do I expect this to be a game changing movie that'll blow critics out of the water? No, <laughs> but I am expecting this to be a fun version of the movie that we got in the original Pacific Rim. And my hope, my hope beyond hope, is that this franchise replaces the Fast and Furious franchise as the stupid fun movie that audiences go to see in droves. We've seen Cars do crazy superhero movies for years now, and it's kind of just expected that Fast and Furious doesn't take itself seriously. I'm done with Cars. I was never a car kid growing up. I was a giant <laughs> robot and dinosaurs and monsters kid growing up. So if this movie can weaponize that part of my nostalgia trip and make a fun action movie to boot, this could be the franchise that I've been waiting for. And we got John Boyega. John Boyega, you know, who's uh, who plays Finn in the new Star Wars movies for those who, for some reason, haven't seen them. Um, John Boyega is Finn and he is very good as Finn in Star Wars. And we're hoping he is a very good leading man in Pacific Rim. Yeah, but he's with Scott Eastwood. So do they cancel each other out is my question. <laughs> better than Jai Courtney, right? Well, yeah, but that's saying like gum on your shoe is better than shit on your shoe. <laughs> I, I, anyway. I was really interested the way you go on that with the fly, on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Pacific Rim Uprising I think is a film that has the potential to be really fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm putting that right out in front. But I can't bring myself to be super, super excited for it just because we're losing a Guillermo del Toro type talent. And we're adding Steven DeKnight, who was, um, if you're not familiar with that name, he's a big person behind uh, Marvel's Daredevil. So there is some talent there, absolutely for sure. But it feels like we're we're taking a step down and headed towards a more generic direction, which obviously I'm hoping it's not. And I absolutely see what you're saying, Nate, about them cornering a market like a dumb, stupid fun market. I'm just worried that it'll end up being a generic action film more than anything of just robots hitting into each other. Um, I, I Obviously, I want to be proven wrong because I did really like the first Pacific Rim. At the very least, I hope that this movie and any potential sequels that it gets replaces the Transformers movies altogether because th- that has been our that has been our shitty action robot movies. Here, here we got something a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything against Fast and Furious right now. I don't love them, but they're... They're okay. They're whatever. They're ridiculous. They're ridiculous, but they're okay. I would be very okay with Transformers being wiped out for a few years and Pacific Rim replacing it because monsters and 
robots fighting and you know we're i feel like we're i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like we're due for a really cool you know version of that yeah and i I i'm kind of still feeling a little let down by godzilla with my citywide destruction action we're getting rampage nate don't forget okay okay rampage excuse me I loved, I got to keep bringing that up because I played the Nintendo 64 game as a kid and now I'm just curious. It's like Rise of the Planet of the Apes if he was like 400 feet taller. <laughs> and, and a 30 foot wolf. Yeah, out of all the movies, uh, out of all the ways to make Rampage, making exactly what you said, Planet of the Apes, but giant white monkey. <laughs> Not how I would have done it, but we'll see. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta wonder what they're thinking sometimes with some of these. Um, but anyway... Interesting selections by both of you. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction here. I'm going to move into the realm of animation for my most anticipated. Anyone know, that knows me knows I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of 2004's The Incredibles um, from Disney and Pixar. It's my favorite animated film of all time, and it is one that has been desperately needing a sequel. Um, it took a little longer than we would have wanted, but Brad Bird, all it took for uh, Brad Bird to return to the franchise is for Tomorrowland, his big Disney live-action film, to bomb. So he came crawling back to the mouse house with an idea. Um, hopefully the idea is really good. From what I've been hearing, it's it sounds like the kind of sequel that takes the next step that you really want to see in a sequel that it has returning uh, 15 years later. The first teaser got me really excited. Uh, it looks like it's going to play a little bit on nostalgia, but it's also going to progress the franchise forward with Elastigirl being the main lead here. Um, Brad Bird has earned enough stars for me for, to get really, really excited about the prospect of seeing these characters that I love again. Um, and it feels like such a rich world that we're returning to. Um, it's the best Fantastic Four universe we've ever had, that's for sure. Yeah, when we were going through the list of 2018 releases, I saw this one, considered picking it, and then realized, wait a second, Drew's in this podcast too. He's going to totally claim it on me. Yeah, you don't want to ruin a friendship over a movie. <laughs> I'd be looking in the drawer for it, be like, where is my Incredibles 2? I would have given you... The exact business, <laughs> if oh, you took it. But I'm, yes. I'm I'm very amped for this movie as well. Uh, for me, Brad Bird is also the director of uh, my favorite animated superhero movie in The Iron Giant. So he's, he's definitely Ooh. got a lot. Criminally underrated yeah, film. Yeah, he's definitely got a lot of um, props for me from there. So I fully expect Incredibles 2 to deliver. Uh, and I think it will. <laughs> I really think it will. Yeah, and another, another hopeful, I think, is... Um, People were talking about Incredibles 2 for, or like people have won Incredibles 2 for a little while, I think, and didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but he always said he will not make it until he feels comfortable with the script, right? Yeah, that's what he was going with. Um, the right, right the, which the, makes me comfortable. The, the Tomorrowland factor makes me a little more iffy of that, um, but at the same time, I think the fact that he originally, this was originally dated for 2019, actually, and Disney, in their confidence, I believe, pushed it up on the schedule to 2018. Um, which is good that makes that makes me feel like they're on track for a good thing here but yeah Incredibles 2 one of the major tent poles coming out next summer that we're all really excited about I think so we've all gone through probably our singled out most anticipated films I think now we're it's going to turn into more of a hodgepodge discussion of different things that uh, we are excited for but I think it would be most like productive if we separated them into two distinct categories the blockbusters and like the indie Oscar stuff Deadpool 2 next because cause Deadpool was such a big hit and the sequel is gonna is gonna be huge. There's no other way around it. I just saw I was at the movies today, you know, the day that we're re re recording this. 
And I saw a poster that I haven't seen yet, and it's Deadpool with his finger out and Cable pointing a gun as that, that like, uh, God-touching man finger. The Sistine Chapel, yeah. This, that's what I couldn't think of. It. The Sistine Chapel, they're reenacting that. Like, there's just yeah. – the marketing is unbelievable. You hadn't seen that yet? That I love that thing. It's No, awesome. I hadn't seen that poster yeah. yet. <laughs> but it's great. Um, just listing really fast the superhero movies because 2017 was a huge year for superhero movies and a really successful one. Here are the ones that I have listed here on Slate. If I'm missing any, let me know. Incredibles 2, obviously. Deadpool 2. We get Black Panther in February. Ant-Man and the Wasp in July. Of course, Avengers Infinity War in May. Aquaman coming in December. Venom starring Tom Hardy. That's in October. And X-Men Dark Phoenix in Ooh. November. The Another... <laughs> <laughs> Another crack at that. Well, Nate's made his cl- his feelings cleared on X Men: Dark Phoenix. Um, let's let's just kind of you guys can just jump through which ones you're most drawn to as far as what you're looking forward to and what you're not. So, so those who know me know I am a big Tom Hardy fan, and I think Venom is one of the biggest wild cards as far as movies we've talked about for next year. Um, I really don't even know what to expect. I love Tom Hardy. I think he could do almost anything. But that is just such an odd, odd movie in general. Like they're, I like. Odd movie, but perfect casting. And I'll tell you why. Because Tom Hardy in almost 90% of his films has his face covered by something. It's the anti-Topher Grace problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he can do anything, but I just feel like it, like the, the movie production came out of nowhere and then all of a sudden they were like, yeah, it'll be done in eight months. And everybody was like, what? What do you mean? They casted Tom Hardy in in like, I don't know, September and then said it'll be done in 13 months. And I was like, uh, are you sure? Okay. If you say so. <laughs> or it was something like a really quick turnaround like that. So I'm very skeptical of it, but I'm hoping it's good. Last thing you really want them to do is rush it too. And I think one of the most fascinating wild cards for me as far as those superhero movies go um, is Aquaman because this this is DC's next film. They take about a 13 month break after Justice League, which is a pretty huge financial disappointment at this point, and they obviously would say critical disappointment for most people. Um, Aquaman is their chance to respond and try to move on from the next chapter. Um, James Wan is a very di- reliable director; he's in charge of it. So you got they got that going for them, but. Yeah, it's, it, this is going to be an important one for them, for sure. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting movie to watch. Um, I'm not necessarily looking forward to it as a film, but just as a set piece for the rest of the DCU. If this movie goes and continues the trend that Justice League gave us, and this is another kind of comedic, Marvelish type of movie then we'll know that DC has officially given up on trying to corner its dark superhero market, and it's just going to try to uh, pick up the seconds off of Marvel's success here. Uh, so the tone here is going to be key. And I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on James Wan because the only successful movie they've had is the standalone Wonder Woman. So people might be saying, okay, the the universe and where they all exist together is ultimately failing but maybe their their standalones and uh you know the movies that are branching off will do well so i think there's going to be a lot of pressure on james wan for this movie um as far as critically goes and then financially because justice league did not do well they're in a really difficult position and i would say that the people working on the x-men franchise are in a really difficult position too 
Dark Phoenix might be the last X-Men movie released as we know it. I was um, I was just going to say, when does that go into effect? When does Disney get get hold of them? That's a fantastic question. And I, that is not the – I don't have an answer to that, but – Why not? There are three <laughs> – there are three Fox films on the slate in the X-Men universe. I forgot to mention New Mutants, um, which is also coming in April, um, which is a completely different take on the X-Men universe. Yeah, that trailer a, looks interesting. A, a, horror, a horror film from the director of Fault in Our Stars of all people. But anyway, of course, Deadpool 2 and then X-Men Dark Phoenix where they try to redo the Dark Phoenix saga after they messed it up in X-Men 3. Uh, Jessica Chastain, I believe, is in the film in some capacity as well as some kind of villain character. But this could be the end of an era for the X-Men franchise. So it's it'll be interesting to see if Simon Kinberg can bring them out on a good note. But moving on from the superhero film, some other big blockbusters that are coming out next year. Um, of course, we have Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which we got into enough a couple episodes ago. I don't have to get back into that. Um, the next installment of the Fantastic Beast franchise, The Crimes of Grindelwald, that comes out in November. Ocean's 8, the spinoff of the Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 trilogy that comes out in june the all-female-led cast there ready player one we've talked about the very long awaited sequel to mary poppins mary poppins returns with emily blunt in the role this is news to me <laughs> you didn't know about that mary poppins no no yeah that comes out next christmas mary poppins returns it's emily blunt in the role and lin-manuel miranda and i'm very surprised for specific reasons that you have not heard of that uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> of course, we have a Star Wars movie next year, guys. Let's actually solo, let's solo in on that. I don't think that's a, a correct phrase. That's not how the phrase works at all, Drew. <laughs> he tries. Let's talk about Solo because, man, this movie has gone through the ringer in production and behind the scenes production chatter is not good on this one. Jake or Drew, walk us through what the production troubles actually are for our listeners. So, in charge of the production initially were Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. They are two fantastic directors, really great at comedy, really great at energetic films like the 21 and 22 Jump Street films, the Lego movie, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They're four for four in my mind, personally. However, they clashed with Kathleen Kennedy, who was the president of Lucasfilm. Uh, Apparently, they pitched a film that Kathleen Kennedy wanted to see, but then started producing something completely different. That or, it was the other way around, Kathleen Kennedy just didn't understand what their style was going to be. So she fired them midway through production, more than midway through probably, and brought in Ron Howard, who's a serviceable director on his own. He's done a lot of really good movies like A Beautiful Mind, um, Apollo 13, just to name a few. Um, And he came in and he finished up the film. Then there are are notes coming in that Alden Ehrenreich, who was playing Han Solo, is not a great actor. They can't get the tone down. They replaced Courtney B. Vance, was an actor in the film. They replaced him with Paul Bettany, which I don't know what the hell that's about. Um, there's just a lot of stuff going on right now in the Han Solo production. We are less than six months away, and we don't even have a poster for it yet. Yeah, it's it's going to take a little bit to walk away from the rumors, because there's rumors to almost every production, and some of them are overblown, some of them are legitimate. Um, this is obviously a little bit more than the usual. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see for the final product. I really just think this is a movie that didn't need to get made, if I'm being honest. Han Solo is kind of fairly well-developed in the original trilogy. You don't really need to know his backstory, I think, to like his character. This isn't a Boba Fett where it's a mystery of who he is and you want to learn more. Um, this is this is literally going to be kind of like a... Um, Robin Williams syndrome, where it's really hard to replace the actor, uh, especially when 
you have such an iconic character as Han Solo played by Harrison Ford. Well, I think there's an interesting through line with the Star Wars uh, franchise so far where they've had a lot of behind the scenes issues. Um, even Rogue One, apparently the ending was completely reshot. And of course, uh, Colin Trevorrow thrown off of Star Wars Episode Nine. Boo. Yeah, but like, still, this is this is a trend at this point. If it's like three out of their five films, they've had problems. Um, just a couple more blockbusters to mention. We've, of course, got um, Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander. She's fronting that. We've got Creed 2 coming off of the fantastic success of the original. We've replaced directors, um, but Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone will still be returning. Um, and we have the reboot of the Girl with the Dragon 2 Tattoo franchise. We do? I don't even think I knew about that. <laughs> Instead of David Fincher director, it is Fede Alvarez, who's best known for the Evil Dead remake and for Don't Breathe. Um, and instead of Bruni Mara in the role of Elizabeth Salander, we have Claire Foy, who is best known for apparently being brilliant on and Netflix's The Crown. Two more blockbusters I want to bring up before we move on. Uh, we have Mission Impossible 6 coming out, uh, which is, of course, Christopher McQuarrie returning. Henry Cavill joins the cast with his mustache. We get to finally see how the mustache in its full glory. Um, and probably my in my top five most anticipated for next year, we get Wreck-It Ralph 2. This time, Ralph gets to break the internet with all of the Disney princesses. Every single one is coming into this movie voiced by their original actresses. Isn't that amazing? That's that's really cool. I love it. I loved Wreck-It Ralph. So about, about Mission Impossible, um, how do you think they're going to use uh, Henry Cavill there? Because you could have, like, what we saw in Justice League where we had menacing Superman right after he wakes up and he could be that kind of guy. Or we can get, um, uh, shoot, what was what was the other spy one where he was with? Man from Uncle. Yeah. Or we could get something like we got in Man from Uncle. And if we get that kind of uh, act- actor there, I'm going to be very, very happy. I thought he was criminally underused since he took on the Superman role as a serious guy. And this guy's got some real comedic talent to him if they use him that way in Mission Impossible. Well, I think he's going to be filling into the role, not the specific role, but in that role that Jeremy Renner plays in those movies because Jeremy Renner couldn't return due to his duties for Avengers 3 and 4. So I think he will be closer to the Man from Uncle role than a villainous role. Oh, he's going to be on the same side as uh, Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise? That's my understanding. Um, I can I could be wrong about that, but that was my understanding of why he was brought into this. I heard mustache and just kind of assumed, like, henchman of some sort. <laughs> it is fun to speculate. Um, so anyway, we've kind of covered all the big films, and I know there are a lot of smaller films that we want to get into. Jake, I know you wanted to talk about The Irishman. Uh, well, one, it's it was being filmed not far from me, um, so I think that was pretty cool. I didn't see anything, but I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yes, yeah, Scorsese's uh, next movie starring a bunch of his old uh, usual suspects, like De Niro, Pacino, I believe, right? Has he ever worked with Pacino? He hasn't? I don't believe so. I, oh, well, well then I... I w- De Niro-Pacino-Cop combo? The De Niro-Pacino combo has happened twice, in, if I remember correctly. They were... Well, technically three times. We've got Godfather Part Two, but they didn't share a scene together. They We have Heat, where they were the two leads, um, but they only shared one scene together. Then we had Righteous Kill, which was fucking awful. It came out in 2008. Um, but I'm pretty sure this is... Yeah, I'm trying to look up if this is the first time Pacino and Scorsese have worked together. Because that would be a fascinating angle. Who was it? Harvey Keitel, I think? Harvey Keitel is there. Joe Pesci. Ray Romano, of all people. Oh, Pesci's back? Uh, 
Now she is back. Yep, Bobby Cannavale. Um, very Italian cast. Right. <laughs> For a movie called The Irishman. Uh, just a quick synopsis of it. A mob hitman recalls his possible involvement with the slaying of Jimmy Hoffa. It's based off a book. Is, are we seeing an influx of uh, book-to-film adaptations, or is that just me paying more attention? It might be you paying more attention, because a lot of the... Yeah, a lot of the movies that yeah, I don't, I don't are think so. based on books you wouldn't think about. Like, there are probably, like, a lot that came out this year that are just, like, inspired by this novel. But, yeah, it's it's a mixture of both, I would say. Both you becoming a more attuned movie watcher. Because <laughs> right off the top of my head, we have Annihilation, we have Ready Player One. Um, we have another one. This one, yeah, an- Wonder. Well, that actually segues really nicely into another one that I'm excited for, which is Backseat. The, uh, the biopic on Dick Cheney being directed by Adam McKay, who's best known for Anchorman, Step Brothers. Of course, he made the big short. Christian Bale gaining a bunch of weight to play Dick Cheney. Here he goes again. <laughs> Neck fat to the rescue. You know, I was re- we were talking a couple weeks ago about how Gary Oldman to play Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour, which of course was a big Oscar movie coming out in 2017. He put on a bunch of silicon, a fat suit. So that makes me think, why can't Christian Bale just do that at this point? I understand he's method, but, like, he's going to die. <laughs> he's got to be careful. It's hardcore, man. For real. Andrew, I, I agree. We haven't seen – I feel like we haven't seen Christian Bale do a a big physical change performance in a while. Um, and I almost kind of miss it. You know, American Hustle, he got really, really fat. And was that the last time we saw him go through a dramatic change? Well, Christian Bale hasn't been doing much of anything recently. Like the yeah, the last modal, notable performance he had probably was Big Short. Um, I mean, he's been in other movies. Well, and he's going to be in host, a movie called Hostiles coming yeah, out. Yes, but I, that's I would not qualify that as a notable movie. To be fair, um, that thing is going to come and go really fast. He just hasn't been a lead in a while. He's been supporting actor over and over and over again. Yeah, maybe he has been leads, but they've been in movies that a lot of people haven't seen. This seems like a one where he's stepping back into the spotlight. Um, and it feels like he he's returned, you know. Batman returned. <laughs> what what's the angle on this on this Dick Cheney movie? It's kind of it's about his rise to power, basically. Um, it's one I if if it's following. It's not about him shooting somebody in the face unintentionally. No, I don't believe so. But I would be <laughs> shocked if they didn't touch that uh, <laughs> because that that's just comedy writing itself. And if we're going by the Big Short uh, methodology, this is going to be. Adam McKay basically kind of satirizing politics and the economy while also making Americans really angry at things that happened. Speaking of biopics, another one that's going to be really big. This is First Man. It's Damien Giselle's latest. Uh, Ryan Gosling playing Neil Armstrong. Um, and quite a cast there. He's got Kyle Chandler, Corey Stoll, Jason Clark, John Bernthal, and Claire Foy again with him. Um, Jake, I know you love La La Land uh, and Whiplash. So Giselle is enormously two for two with me, and I'm very curious to see what he does now that he's being kind of like, he's been given a script to direct that's not, I don't think this is his own script, and it's not musically based. So I'm curious to see what he does. Yeah, that's the one thing that caught my eye too, is this one not being, uh, not having anything to do with music, which I just kind of associated with this director. Unless he twists that somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Unless he spins that into, <laughs> I would make for a very interesting moon I, landing. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he just tap dancing on the moon. One small <laughs> step for man, five tap steps across the stage. 
Well, I, I on that one, I appealed to Jake's better sensibilities, and now I'm going to appeal to Nate's better sensibilities because I know how much Nate loves Mr. Tommy Wiseau. Should we say Sir Tommy Wiseau? Um, <laughs> and he's he's got a new one coming out next year, and he's playing a mortician of all things. He fits the role perfectly. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he just looks the part. He was sculpted for that kind of role. <laughs> Great American hero. I'm telling you, he's going to be a vampire in this one. Um, the movie is called, mm. titled Best Friends. The R is in parentheses, uh, so it could also read as Best Fiends. Uh, it reunites Tommy. Ooh, so artsy. Right? It reunites Tommy <laughs> Wiseau with, of course, Greg Sestro, who, um, of course, is his best friend and was played by Dave Franco in The Disaster Artist. This is Wiseau's first film since The Room. As amazing as that seems, it's been 15 years since The Room. Um, and he is returning. I believe the film will play at Sundance. Uh, and as I said, Wiseau is playing a mortician as greed, hatred, and jealousy soon come in turn when he meets a drifter. And then there's a lot of stuff about friendship and loyalty. I, I'm, I'm very... I, I would consider myself excited. Um, maybe not like opening night excited, but I'll be, I'll be seeing it for sure. My one caveat that I mentioned before and I'll mention again is that the best bad movies are ones that are trying really, really hard. There's nothing worse than someone intentionally making a bad movie. Um, so I don't think Tommy's that kind of guy, but he, fame does affect a lot of people very differently, and he's very famous for one very bad thing. <laughs> oh, he did that. Jake, he called Tommy by his first name. Oh, we're tight. <laughs> they're, they're on a first name basis. <laughs> Listen to me, Thomas. Thomas, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to a movie that I wanted to talk about, um, audiences reacting very mixed to the trailer. Um, a little horror movie. It might be a little, I'm not sure, but it's called A Quiet Place with uh, Emily Blunt and what... Okay, pause. What is what is his name? Jim from The Office. John Krasinski. John he's Krasinski. Also Jesus Christ. He's also the director, so... <laughs> oh, he's directing it too. I forgot about that. Jesus Christ, yes. okay. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if it's a little horror movie or not, but a horror movie starring John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, who are husband and wife, I just found out recently as well. John Krasinski is also directing it. And I think the trailer looks not only fascinating, but totally, totally engaging and very interesting. It's... It's basically about these, we have no idea what they are, but they hunt based on noises. So this family lives entirely in silence. They only walk on sand. Everything is, is you know, used with like quilts and like there's like, they don't have shoes, like everything. They're just, everything is completely and utterly quiet, basically to survive. And I think it is a fascinating, fascinating concept. And I am very much looking forward I to it. It's original. Trailer, it's new, based on the and I think the trial totally looks great so far. To YouTube after we're done recording, because that sounds really, really cool. It is very much one of those. It's one of those very high concept ideas that I'm afraid that the trailer shows you the what the best of it could be. Um, I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I really like both John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, and I want to see them do well creatively. Um, I'm just a little skeptical because I think that premise makes for a chilling trailer, but I think it would be really hard to sustain that for the full 90 minutes, and it takes someone really, really talented. Not saying John Krasinski isn't talented, but we I've never seen him direct, and I certainly have never seen him direct something like this. So 
call me cautiously optimistic on that one. No, and I, I share those concerns because that is a t- difficult, difficult task to accomplish for a movie. Right. Um, so we're getting we're getting close to the end here. So I'm just going to run down who some of the directors that are getting new films coming out this year. Um, Barry Jenkins, of course, the director of the Best Picture winning Moonlight. He has his next fil- film, If Beale Street Could Talk. Um Going along the list here, Steve McQueen, whose uh, film 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture, of course, at the 2013 Oscars, has Widows coming out. Drew Goddard reunites with Chris Hemsworth, um, Drew Goddard, the director of Cabin in the Woods. We have a new film from Gareth Evans, who, of course, directed the awesome, awesome action movie The Raid. Um, David McKenzie, who made Hell or High Water. Uh, Wes Anderson, of course, has a new movie coming out. Joel Edgerton, a new film. There's so much. You can look at Alfonso Cuaron. You can comp- look up the entire list if you go online. Um, but we're going to have to wrap it up here because there are so many movies that we're looking forward to in 2018, and we want to get closer to reviewing them. So, guys, are there any final thoughts about some of the movies that are coming out in this next year? See everything. Except Fifty Shades. Don't see that. But see everything else. But, Jake, having you seen the poster, you can't miss the climax. <laughs> Watch me. I will. I got to say, that is a pretty great poster. Yeah, I- why do you like it so much? What are you talking about? Do you not get the double entendre? Yes, I get it. I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care if you don't care. It's a great pun. It's a fantastic pun. Oh, believe me, I am I am one of the harshest critics of the Fifty Shades franchise. So for me to be giving them something positive is doing a lot to me. But that poster is fantastic. Anyway, oh. Nate, final thoughts on the year. I just want Pacific Rim to not suck. It's a pretty succinct thing. Hopefully. He's only got one. He only has one thing going for him in 2018. Let's hope it comes true. <laughs> It's just that one thing. Um, And Jake, before you pissed me off, I was going to agree with you. See everything you can. See the good. See the bad. Become a better film viewer in 2018. You will be more fulfilled for it. Get Movie Pass. See everything. And get Movie Pass. Absolutely. We do not work for Movie Pass. We will take sponsorship if you have it. (laughs) That'll do it for this week's episode of the Middle Seats Podcast, our holiday special. Thank you for joining us. Nate Lungarini, how can they find us on the internet? All righty. So here's how you can get in touch with us online. Please uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, both at The Middle Seats. We are now on SoundCloud and iTunes. So please check the link in the the description down below. Use those services so you can listen to us on the go. If you have any questions, comments, or critiques about the show, use our email, themiddleseatshow at gmail.com. And anything you can do to help support the channel and keep us growing is greatly appreciated. This week, we spent looking forward into 2018. In the next couple of weeks, I can't confirm when, but we will be looking back at 2017, our absolute worst, our absolute best films that came out in the last 12 months. So stick around for that. That's going to be really fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, We've got a bunch of films coming out in January. Uh, We might be playing a little bit of catch-up from 2017. We're probably going to be doing a lot of the films that are coming out wide, so stay tuned for that. Um, We want to wish you all a happy new year. Uh, We look forward to seeing you in 2018. Thank you for supporting us here through at least the back half of 2017. And as this ball drops on this week's episode of The Middle Seeds for Jake Hensler and for Nate Lungarini, I'm Andrew Auger. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We will be back soon.